Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Tuesday, June 7, 2022. Today we are reading from the big book, and we're uh, still in Bill's story. We're currently on page eight, the third paragraph. It begins near the end of that bleak November, and it ends with, I would need it before daylight. We're just going to comment on the one paragraph. Today's readers, we have Marge E. on the 12 steps, <clears throat> Joni C. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Craig F., Elizabeth D., and Leah S. The share ID for yesterday, Monday, June 6th, uh, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number, 19,037. That's 19037. The 10 a.m. meeting, 19,038. That's 19037. 038. Here's the old OA pre-ramble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting uh, nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. And then we try to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. <clears throat> Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask uh, Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Marge, you're up. Thank you, Larry. Marge E. from Massachusetts, Recovered But Not Cured, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me to do service, and I pass. Thanks, Marge. Okay, Joni, Joni C. on the 12 Traditions. Good morning. 
Good morning. This is Joni C., uh, gratefully recovered in Minnesota. The 12 Traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Joni. Okay, here's how this meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Um, Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic, and this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. Uh, Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then uh, mute yourself again with star one. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we're we're back in Bill's story. We're currently on page eight in the big book, the third paragraph that begins near the end of that bleak November. It ends with, I would need it before daylight. And I'm gonna pass it over to Craig F to begin reading. Hey Craig, good morning. Good morning, Larry, how are you? Okay. I'm good. Good, okay. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected that there was enough gin 
concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a bottle, uh, a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. It's always darkest before the dawn. And uh, we're uh, uh, at that point in Bill's story where it is the darkest. It's before the dawn. He's uh, he's drinking again. And uh, uh, all he uh, seems to be able to focus on is, is drinking, you know, uh, the description of our disease as, uh, uh, you know, being fell in a hole. And uh, sometimes we're struggling to get out of that hole. We don't know how. And sometimes we uh, start to decorate the hole and make it home and become comfortable in, in, in that hole. Um, it's called surrender, you know. Um, one of the toughest things in this program but the simplest thing is is that concept of surrender you know and it's a uh, uh, it, it's a reality that we always are surrendering to something you know that we've either surrendered to the disease or we surrender to the to the program of recovery you know we either surrender to uh, to the uh, slow death of the disease, or we surrender to um, to our higher power and to the life affirming process uh, of this uh, uh, of this program and the life affirming process of constant daily contact with a power greater than ourselves. So um, we uh, we have a choice, and my dogs are going to go crazy here. Uh, we have a choice, and that choice is to. Uh, that 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 choice is who we surrender to, and uh, Bill right now Bill has surrendered to uh, he surrendered to the hole, and uh, he's uh, he, he's in that hole, and and you know the good news is that a few paragraphs from now we're going to get to talk about how he's coming out of that hole, but for right now uh, that's where he's at, and uh, you know I identify with Bill. Uh, I, I certainly hid things in order to make sure I had something for tomorrow. It gave me comfort. It helped me sleep. Um, there's an old story about the the, uh, the war orphans in in England that uh, they had trouble sleeping at night because of what they'd been through. And uh, they uh, people found that were taking care of them found that if they wrapped up a crust of bread and uh, a piece of bread and laid it, laid it beside their bedstead at, at night that these children would uh, could sleep better because they were assured that they had uh, that they were going to have food the next day which they hadn't always had during the war uh, they took comfort in that you know i've taken comfort in uh, knowing what was in the freezer you know i've taken comfort in in, in those things but today i take comfort in knowing that uh, that uh, I have a power greater than myself that's a partner in my life that uh, that I, I can turn to in times of trouble, that uh, uh, that I have a, a program of recovery that uh, will guide me, uh, help me practice the acceptance and surrender, but helps me, helps guide me to know exactly what to surrender to each day. 
And for that, I'm so grateful. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Larry. Uh, thank you, Craig, for getting us started. Uh, Craig read from page eight, the third paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order so that others can kind of jump in there as well. So if you'd like uh, three minutes up here at the mic here, um, give me your first name and last initial. Rivka R in Baltimore. Rivka. Charles D. Jackie Tina S. Jackie Tina. I got Rivka Charles Jackie Tina. Who did I miss? Nadia E. Um, I heard Nadia and somebody else. Uh, Rivka Charles Jackie Tina Nadia. Who was that other person that was trying to get in? Was it Becky? Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. Hi, it's Vivian. Oh, Vivian. Okay, let's stop there, and I'll tell you who I have. For the third time, fourth time. Rivka, Charles, Jackie, Tina, Nadia, Elizabeth, and Vivian. And then we'll catch you on the back end here. So let's start with Rivka, followed by Chuck. Hey, Rivka, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, it's Rivka R., uh, gratefully recovered in Baltimore, a certain satisfaction um, that there was stuff around the house. Oh, man, did I, do I relate to that? Uh, I just, that, that feeling of I can, it was almost like this, this smile inside myself that I could feel that, you know, I had bags and boxes that I knew I had hidden for myself that I could go and just... Uh, have that sense of of just um, oh, I, I can't even explain it. It was just like the, just the delight of, of of knowing that it was there, and I and I and I could just go and just take it and hide and eat and eat and eat and to oblivion. And <laughs> I just love the opening share about surrendering to the whole. And my um, I was thinking, you know, when, yeah. I, how many times I did that just just fell into that hole and but I realized that you know it's either H-O-L-E or through the program of recovery and following and working the 12 steps and surrendering I can surrender to be whole W-H-O-L-E and that feeling of wholeness that feeling of connection today with a higher power that um, helps me to be whole is what my what what life is all about going from that 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 brokenness that was the, that's the whole reason I feel like you know God has given me the gift of this of this disease is I can go from that hole that black hole H O L E to to be whole W H O L E with 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 his connection with him and that that brings that brings the true delight today and uh, so thank you so much for for being there, and um, I pass. Thanks, Rivka. Okay, we got Charles followed by Jackie. Charles, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Larry, my man? Um, everything <laughs> going you? on, man. Life is good. Uh, Charles H., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Now, this may seem dark, but, you know, like my, my handsome um, man said that, you know, yeah, it, it's dark before the dawn, and, um, 
this is good news for a compulsive overeater. And I'd like to draw your attention back to the first page in a doctor's opinion. You know, a good friend of mine said, you know where it says, that, that last word where it says hopeless? And then the, the, the last word of the following paragraph says recovered. Well, a teacher asked me, suggested that I draw a line from hopeless to recovered, and that's all I got to do every every single day. For for uh, amplification, you can go back after this recording and listen to it and look at it on your own. It just speaks volumes because, you know what, that was my jumping off the cliff moment, hiding stuff around the house. And, you know, it's so amazing. And, and if I could put this vivid thought in your mind that, you know, Bill's story, right, you know, when he recovered, he was trying to snatch people off the bar stool. They couldn't do it to Bill. They couldn't do it to Charles. They couldn't do it to Larry or, or, or any of us. So at this bleak moment, jumping off, like if you're on the edge, jump off the cliff. Because you, know, you could come on the line and cry. You could come on the line and look for sympathy. You could come on the line and be like, oh, that poor person. And as my friend Larry, you know, says most times, you know, there's some good people. And some of them uh, die as a result of compulsive overeating. And they're never coming back. I don't care how religious you want to be. I don't care how spirit. I love uh, spiritual religion. But I don't care how... High up in the if you if you if you succumb to this disease, it's gonna kill you. You ain't never coming back on earth. So you know, uh, I'm so grateful for my jumping off the cliff because the causes and conditions are like lions and tiger. They gonna push me off the cliff anyway. One day I said, screw it and just jump, and I and I either could have died or fly, but I'm gonna try because I ain't coming on the line looking for your sympathy. I ain't coming on the line looking for your pettiness. I'm coming on the line to show that, you know what? I suffer every single day with the buildup of human emotions, but I have a skill set. <laughs> I have a skill set that I can utilize on a day-to-day basis and be all right. You know, even though Golden State beat my Celtics, you know, they my Celtics because I, <laughs> I don't like I, – yeah, I, I, I hate – uh, Golden State more than the Celtics. So that's why they're my Celtics. Let's go, Penny. I love you. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Okay, next up, we got Jackie followed by Tina. Jackie, good morning. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Jackie A. from Connecticut. I I needed this today. So I'm on a mini vacation, and I will tell you that I don't have my red light foods here, and I don't have my them at home either, but my disease is nasty, and um, my disease did succumb to me yesterday, so it's, I'm, I feel Bill right now. I feel you, bud. Um, it says near the end of November. Um, I I began drinking in my kitchen. No, I went out to dinner yesterday, and I was of service to my girlfriend and my baby niece, and I was not seated with God yesterday, and that's where I needed to be. And so um, with certain satisfaction, I sat there with the gin concealed, and I sit there, and I I had dinner out yesterday, and I have to admit, like now, and it was hard to hear this morning. I had a sponsor call. And um, 
that I was making excuses, that I looked at that plate of food with, with, um, with reward, even when I didn't think I did. It was after that it hit me like a pit. Like I felt like, I felt like I had drunk freaking gin. Like I just felt sick. I felt like, did I do what I was supposed to do? Did I do right by me? Did I do right by God in that moment? And the truth was I didn't. Um, it was just a little bit too much than I would have had at home, but it was just enough to know that it wasn't honest. And then it, it talks about like hit it in the house day and night. I was I was disgusting at home before I ever came into program. Yes, I put things in my garbage. Yes, I used to put watermelons in my car during the summertime to hide them from other people. And I would never share my plate with you. That just wasn't going to happen. And I would have been up last night to like midnight trying to exercise that off before program. So it's just like it teaches me so much about surrender. When I hear about that, um, my wife was at work. I wondered if I dare hide. Like, I I hit it around everybody. Again, many of you know on the line, like, I've, I'm a professional in this field. Like, I, I hit it from everybody because I did not want them to know. And so it means so much to me to be in this program, to be honest, to be open, to be seen, because I'm not going to get well if I'm in the I. I'm only going to get well if I'm in the wheeze. And I felt that buildup of human emotion, and I was in denial about it, railing about it a couple weeks ago. And it quietly snuck up on me when I felt peaceful. I felt peaceful on vacation, and it was like, I got you now. So, yeah, not today. And it says, and I needed it before daylight. No, today is a new day. Yesterday, even after that, I called my sponsor from the parking lot. I got on a meeting with the screaming two-year-old that I love dearly in the backseat of the car for 15 minutes. And I was like, I'm showing up. I'm never, I, I never want the disease to take me under. I don't want to be buried in a marshland. I don't want to be buried in this disease. So I thank you all. And I look forward to hearing more shares. Love you. Bye. Thanks, Jackie. Okay, we got two powerful women, Tina followed by Nadia. Tina, I'm, me and Beth are coming to stalk you in Florida soon here, so good morning, Tina. Good morning, Larry. <laughs> I am Tina, compulsive eater anorexic, and recovered in Florida today. Wow, heard some, so many really good things this morning. And, you know, I wasn't going to share in the paragraph because I always think, you know, really, I don't know that I really relate to that. And, and the bottom line is I relate to all this stuff. And, and it takes me to two different places, you know, because I come as a compulsive overeater and I come as a an anorexic, you know. And when I was in the food, uh, eating the food, there was stuff all over the place. And I did have that... Uh, excuse me, uh, satisfaction, you know, the certain satisfaction that I could, everything was concealed. And, you know, bottom line was it didn't last for long because I ate everything. You know, I was in that place of when I was eating, look out, everything was gone till I had to go get more, you know, and in that place of hopelessness that this is on my own, this is going to be my lot for the rest of my life, you know, and being so hopeless. And then on the other end of that, you know, in the anorexia, knowing that, you know, I'm not going to eat no matter what, and I'm going to die, you know, and I'm so hopeless. What do I do? And all this I, I, I was always in my mind until I got to a place. And just for me, you know, that's what it took was I could no longer think. And I just did what other people told me to do because I couldn't think of a better thing to do. And because when I can think of something better, look out, you know, so today, and I love that it talked about, you know, the darkness before the dawn, you know, I was in that pit. And then just 
one day, you know, God reached out my, his hand, or I reached out my hand, and God was there, you know. And then from that day forward, you know, I just do what people suggest I do that have been in this program for many 24 hours and really experiencing the transformation and the spiritual awakening that, get, that is a benefit today for me and for other people in my life. You know, that's what I continue to do. You know, I, I'm a person of more, and I want more, so I want more recovery. And it, what a great paragraph, and I'm so grateful that I don't have to live that way today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina. Okay, next up we have Nadia, followed by Elizabeth. Let's go to Connecticut. Nadia, good morning. Good morning. No, actually, it's Toronto. Oh, this is, a, oh, this is not in Toronto. Yeah, okay. Nadia B. Okay, so here I am. Yeah. Morning, family. Um, so, you know, even though it's, it's cloudy and rainy, I've got the worst headache, that's okay. You know, today, that's okay. Yesterday, I was in this hole. But you know what? You know what a vision for you is teaching me is that it's teaching me hope. So even when I'm feeling so low, I know I always hold on. Like I can see way down deep in the hole. I can look up and I can see that bright light. And that's my higher power. And that's that's you guys. That's all of you all over the world, um, you know, throwing me that, that lifeline. And, and, you know, feelings are just feelings. And I have a choice today. I can I can consult with with God, and I can call it God now. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I have I'm going to a funeral. I well, I, was, I wasn't planning on going to the funeral because I had to babysit, but um, my daughter said, no, just just go. And but and then there's a luncheon. There's a luncheon afterwards, and it's Middle Eastern. That's my most favorite cuisine in the world. I love Middle Eastern food. But it's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? So it's just taking it one thing at a time. And the the word November, the month of November, I used to hate November because it's in Toronto. It's the ugliest month ever. But I can find today, I can find beauty in everything. And my mission today is, okay, God, show me how I can be of service, how I can be humble, honest, open-minded, and willing and just like you put me where I'm supposed to be. Help me to be the best mother, grandmother, daughter-in-law, like all the roles that I play. Just help me to be the best in these 24 hours. And thank you guys. I thank you all of you for saving my life today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Nadia. Okay, next up we have Elizabeth followed by Vivian. Elizabeth, your turn. Good morning, Larry. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Um, my name is Elizabeth. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area, um, Celtics country. I'm really grateful to be here. And um, oh, uh, just humbled uh, by all the wonderful shares this morning. Um, I, I've already learned so much. Um, and for, um, I guess what I want to say about Bill's story just to start is, you know, for years and years in OA, um, I didn't read Bill's story because I didn't think it was about me. You know, Bill's story is about, you know, a drunk and I'm not a drunk. I just have this little weight problem and, you know, sometimes I eat too much. Um, 
it took me a lot of years to to understand that I am Bill. Um, I start finally was beginning to compare myself in rather than compare myself out, and um, start to really focus on you know the the following three questions: Did I eat like Bill drank? Did I act like Bill acted? And did I behave like he like Bill behaved? And the answer was yes. So you know. My my behavior when I'm in the food is absolutely the way Bill behaved. Uh, it's just substitute alcohol with food. And I loved what I heard earlier about um, the hole that this puts me in um, and how, you know, over time I begin to decorate that hole and it becomes a way of life. And for years I lived that way of life. And, you know, hiding food, um, the dishonesty around my food, of the isolation, a big part of this is is isolating with my food, you know, stealing my daughter's Halloween candy, um, with roommates, um, stealing my roommate's food, um, and you know, all of it was about being in isolation with my drug, and pretending that I was a moral person, you know, like I consider myself a churchgoer and a moral person, and yet when it came to this food. Like it says in this chapter, I, you know, I lied, cheated, and stole, uh, stole things, you know, and that's the reality of how far down this disease will take me. So I do relate to Bill's story, and I am really looking forward to the coming chapters where um, his higher power um, saved him because my higher power has saved me every single day. And I am very grateful and appreciate the opportunity to share, and I pass. Oh, I'm glad you did, Elizabeth. Thanks. Hey, Vivian, before we go to you, I'm just going to remind people for the next round here, Craig did a beautiful job, got us started on page eight, the third paragraph, and he just, he just commented on the one paragraph only. So, Vivian, it's your turn. Good morning. Vivian, press star one. Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm Vivian, compulsive overeater in Ontario. Um, this is actually my first meeting here. I'm um, fairly new to OA and and even new to the big book. And actually, to be honest, I didn't realize what I was giving my name for. I kind of wasn't sure. But anyways, I'm grateful <clears throat> grateful to be listening, and um, I'm just going to keep listening. Thank you. Hey, Vivian, that's what I do. I just, we study the book and um, yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing. It's an instruction manual for me. So um, thanks for, for chiming in there though. It's great to hear your voice. So now we're going to, we're going to, uh, yeah, you bet. We're going to uh, put it out there for other people who would like to share on page eight, the third paragraph, who would like to do that? Jackie B from the Bronx. Jackie. Jessica H from Michigan. Jessica, Linda, my pen. You should see there's smoke coming off my pen. That's that's what's going on here. Jackie, Christina, Jessica, Linda. Anyone else? Tracy G. Tracy. Okay. There's a group. There's a group. My paper's on fire. All right, we'll start with we'll start with Jackie, followed by either Christine or Christina. Um, Jackie, it's your turn. Good morning. Press star one, Jackie. 
Oh, hi, it's Jackie B. from the Bronx. I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was muted. Hey, uh, thank you, Larry. Thank you, everybody, for your service. Um, you know, I, it, you know, I am of the desperate kind of, of all, you know, there's no boundaries for me. Um, you know, even though my daughter is now 20, I remember leaving a newborn in the house to run down to get my food. There was no boundaries when it came to my disease of compulsive overeating. I had to get my fix. I mean, how many people have ever done the dance where you buy a whole bunch of food, come upstairs and say, I'm not going to eat this. Go to your neighbor next door, say, here, could you take this? And then maybe an hour later, go back down to the store and go get more food. Or do it, and I do that dance regularly when I was active in the food because there were no things, or, or I couldn't even wait. I had to try to, like, go in Costco line and try to get, you know, 800, uh, you know, Tootsie Rolls and not let my husband see that I'm going through the checkout with that and try to sneak eat it while he's talking to me in the car. And he says, why does this, the car smell like Tootsie Rolls? You know, there are no boundaries when it came to this disease because, or pick fights so that he could get out of the house so I could go into the freezer for my ice cream. You know, these are real and true things that I have to always remember because even though with the recovery I have today, which is 100%, you know, a changed person as long as I remember who I am, you know, that I woke up this morning a compulsive overeater, I'm going to go to bed tonight as a compulsive overeater, and I have to be treated with this program by doing the steps, is to tell you it can be done if I deal with my emotions every day. Because even the slightest little thing can trigger me or um, it may not trigger me. Maybe I'm having a great day and I feel so connected to God. But yet, somebody will say to me, won't even say good morning to me and I'll flip out. That's why I have to do my 10 steps. I have to admit what is bothering me right then and there so I can continue with my day. Or at the end of the day, I do my 11th step, and I still, and I, t- and you know, and I write my food, what I had for the day, and I turn it over. I don't care whether or not my sponsor believes in it, but I need to do it. I need to get turn it over to another compulsive reader so that I know that I've cleared out the wreckage of the day, because my disease just wants to have excuses to eat, and today I don't choose to do that. Today I choose to be in recovery. I choose to admit what I'm consuming. I choose to admit how I work my program. I'm choosing to be there 24-7 for any other compulsive overeater that needs my assistance. That is what this program tells me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Okay, next up is Christina followed by Jessica. I think it's Christina. Did I hear that right? Christina L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Florida. Thanks for hearing me, Larry. And um, just absolutely love this, these shares and this, these paragraphs and stuff. And, um, um, you know, I was reading the paragraph before this morning just to, like, refresh my memory of what we had just read yesterday. And I noticed how, you know, he had just, heard that, you know, he was going to, I don't have it in front of me, but, um, you know, it didn't look so good for Bill. (laughs) 
And uh, here he is musing over, you know, uh, whether or not he's got gin, enough gin concealed throughout the house. And that is so me. Um, you know, before I came into this program, I, I kept a minimal amount of food um, in a bag that I brought to work, um, concealed, um, the food concealed in another grocery bag, um, and to make sure that, you know, no one saw my stash, got my stash, knew what I was doing or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I had to stop at the store every single day to fill up that bag. And, um, I, I wouldn't dare eat in front of my husband or my son or anyone else. But, uh, you know, this disease, it is progressive, it, it, and it is definitely fatal. And, um, you know, when I relapsed, it, it took me to places that I had never gone before. And, um, and I, I'm sure that there are places it will take me again if, if I succumb to the disease again. Uh, but this last time, you know, my disease used everything against me that I had learned and twisted it around, kind of like the boomerang that, you know, Bill had described earlier, or maybe he hasn't described it yet. I can't remember. But um, anyway, you know, then I proceeded to tell my husband, I think I can have this now. And then I proceeded to eat right in front of him. And where it says, you know, I, I wondered if I dared have it by my bedside, you know, no, I didn't, I didn't wonder if I dare have it by my bedside. But I did wonder if I would dare bring fast food in the house and eat it in front of my husband. I mean, it was painful enough eating the stuff that I was eating in front of him. But, uh, and then relating back to that previous paragraph, you know, realizing he was trembling and in fear, um, or fear had sobered him for a bit, you know, I knew I was in a bad spot, but did it stop me? No, I went out and got more. I mean, just like Bill did. And, um, it came to the point where I finally ran out of the food that I had and I had a choice to make. Am I going to go back and get more or am I going to surrender and call someone and get help? And thank God I took door number one and, or maybe door number two, whatever you want to call it, whichever way it was labeled. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank God I realized that I just can't keep doing this. And I had a very lucid Gentle reminder. moment. Thank you. And, um, and I got help, and I got a sponsor, and I surrendered, and I got abstinent, and I thank God for that every single day. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Christina. Okay, our dear Jessica, followed by Linda. Hi, Jessica. Yes, hi. This is Jessica Compasso, overeater from the Buckeye State, Ohio. Um, you know, I used to think that I had a sweet tooth because I consume so much uh, sugary items. And, you know, reading this paragraph uh, kind of takes me back when I was a teenager. And I was, um, and this was when I had my, well, when I had, when I um, committed my first crime, when I, when I stole um, my brother's, um, my big brother's money, you know, he would have changed everywhere. And I would, you know, I would go, Doctor, he actually lived in the um, basement of uh, of my parents' house at the time. He was about maybe twenty twenty. I forgot twenty twenty five. Uh, we, we were me and my brother and I we were ten years apart in age. But either case, 
I would go down, I would snoop downstairs and I would take his uh, change. You know, I would count um, how much I would take, you know, so it didn't look like I, it, it didn't look like something was missing. And I would go down to the candy store and I would eat it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a weight problem at the time. I mean, I was able to kind of work it off. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, oh, you know, I, I have a sweet tooth. I have a sweet tooth, but then I, I didn't, I never realized that I, you know, I stole candy and I had it, I had it concealed in, you know, different parts of my house. You know, I had it in my uh, pillowcase. You know, I would put bags and my uh, bags of candy between my uh, pillowcase or I would have it in the hamster. And you know what? That wasn't even the bottom of my, um, you know, I wasn't even at the bottom of my disease. I mean, I just, I just realized that, you know, but it made me a different person because whenever I consumed those ingredients, it was it was like the idea that I'm stealing, you know, it didn't really register to me. It didn't occur to me that I was going wrong. And now that I'm, you know, two years in program with about four or five uh, months of being absent, I'm just realizing that my action were not right. My actions were not in line with what I um, believe that is right. So, I, you know, I'm really, truly grateful for this program because, you know, when I do consume those um, items, you won't, I mean, I'm not going to be the same person I am. I'm going to think, oh, everything's okay. You know, just like what the doctor's opinion said, you know, you can't see the difference between the true and the false. And you don't have to have a weight problem um, as I did when I was a teenager to be a member of OA. It's all about what's happening in, in the mind. So, and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thanks, Jessica. Okay, now batting, we have Linda, and on deck we have Tracy. Good morning, Linda. Linda, if you're going to hit, you got to press star one. We need your back. My name is uh, Brenda. I think you mistaken oh, is me it for Brenda? Linda. Okay. Yeah, Brenda yeah, yeah. H. Hi, from Brenda. Michigan. Hi. Um, I'm just grateful today. Uh, I can recall myself feeling a certain satisfaction when July came and uh, for the holiday, and the meat was, was my thing. and. Uh, I hoarded it. Uh, I hid it. Uh, I made sure I had enough for a couple of days. My husband used to buy enough to cook and freeze. And uh, I just, uh, for another time, and I'm grateful today that uh, I'm not like that. Um, and I, in my mind, used to uh, criticize other people for doing the same thing that I used to do. And, you know, in this program of OA and Vision for You, I realized those small little miracles that now uh, those that was me, you know. And so uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I'm working, but I'm just grateful today, and I'm just grateful for Vision for You. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Brenda. I think it's time for a comprehensive hearing test on my part. Okay, next up, Tracy. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, everybody. Um, day two with Vision. I'm here to learn about the big book thoroughly, and it's just time to be honest. 
um, first day absent, second day, this is my second day. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say um, this, I can relate because this was just two days ago, huh? And just because I don't look obese today doesn't mean that um, that I'm not a compulsive overeater. It's a deadly disease and um, it's all about my emotional turmoil. So here's my story that's just like Bill's near the end of bleak May. Um, just a few days ago, I sat in my kitchen and I started ruminating. I sat too long. And I was there, it was there that there was enough food that I could carry upstairs and I could shut my bedroom door and then I could go into my closet and sometimes shut that door and over and over and over again, going up and down those stairs and feeling like a detective, like, some, oh no, somebody's going to catch me, but no, I can race upstairs with this food and maybe my family won't see me. And I was so hopeful they wouldn't. And I thought about what lights me up. What crosses my mind? What bags and boxes? Is it salty? Is it sweet? Is it creamy? It's got to meet all these taste buds, all premeditated, of course. And if it wasn't what I wanted, then I was thinking about, wow, how could I go out and gorge on fast food and sit in my car and then make sure I drop off the bags at Target before I got home because I didn't want anybody to see it, of course, especially when you're talking about double hamburgers and large fries and, you know, what else could, and then I was craving sweet again, right back to it. But then there were some times when I was home and my family was home and I was sitting here eating in my room with the door shut and my teenagers come in and I'm gorging my face. I'm gorging my face and I'm so humiliated and embarrassed and shamed. And many times I thought that that's what I needed and it's such a lie. God can only fill me up. Food makes me fat. It makes me furious. It makes me fast in this zone of turmoil of shame and blame and guilt that I'm learning today. I'm learning. I'm learning the importance of complete surrender, the requirement, the requirement to God. A brutal honesty is the requirement, too, that isolation is so toxic for me that God can comfort me, and I'm so grateful for today, and especially for the unity and community that I have here because, for me, it's essential. Thanks for letting me share. Oh, thanks, Tracy. Okay, I'm bad at math. Let me check my abacus. Da, 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 da. Okay, I think we have time for three more shares. Who would like those uh, those shares? Margaret D. Margaret. Sarah M. Tracy A. Sarah. And we'll stop with Tracy, and then we'll see where we're at. So, Margaret, you're up. Good morning. Oh, Margaret. Press star one. Oh, I can see. Uh, yeah, you don't want me singing back. Um, anyway, <laughs> hey, everybody, my name is Margaret D. And I'm so grateful to be a recovered um, compulsive eater. Um, what I can really identify with in this paragraph is the total obsession. Um, you know, any thoughts I had about my family, I, they were just gone. About my job, it was it just didn't enter into my life. Every feeling that I had was centered around food. Either I was happy that I was eating or I was sad that I was eating or um, I was happy because I knew I was going to go get something or I was really totally in the pits of depression because I knew I was going to go get something to eat. And when I read about how um, 
you know, Bill is just, he's so obsessed um, with where am I going to hide it? Where am I going to put it? Is this going to be enough to, you know, get me from one part of my day to the next? Oh, maybe I could put it out in the glove box of my car, which I've done that before, um, so that my family doesn't see it. I, my life was just completely dominated by food, regardless of what I did around it, whether I did, you know, whether I was in the process of using it or so terrified that I was going to use it or so terrified that I was going to run out of it. And I was talking, and I'll wrap it up with this. I was talking um, with a um, fellow compulsive eater a while back, and I told her, I said, I just felt like I was a rat in a maze, and everywhere I go, every direction I took, as soon as I turned a corner, I got tasered. And that terror about where am I going to go, you know, what am I going to do? I, Anyways, I'm just so grateful that my higher power loves me and stepped in and said, you can't go on this way, Margaret and removed the obsession and the compulsion from me. And as long as I still continue to do the work on a daily basis or an hourly basis or whatever it is, that obsession and compulsion is removed and stays removed. And I just want to acknowledge that it's my higher power that does it all. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Margaret. Okay, Dara and Tracy, we got about oh, about two and a half minutes or so each. Dara, good morning. Oh, Dara, please. Dara, can you hear me? This, this is Sarah. <laughs> I was, can you hear me? I was okay? singing. Oh, hi, Sarah. I got to clean out the ears. Hi. hi, Sarah. That's okay. No worries. Hi, Sarah, compulsive overeater. Um, grateful to be on the line. I love the word uh, Craig was using on surrender. Um, you know, we're always surrendering to something, whether it be the food, uh, in my case, self-destructive thinking, or God. And um, I just so identified with that today. Um, I This program teaches me just how much self-destructive thinking I have, so much anxiety and how um, that anxiety keeps me small. It's like, a, it's like a bleakness. Like Bill, it's full of anxiety in this passage, a bleakness. And, uh, you know, today I want to do something that really instills a lot of anxiety in me, uh, but I really want to do it. And um, I, I decided I'm going to take that to the steps, step one, two, and three. And um, I'm going to, I'm powerless over my anxiety, step one. And I, two, I believe God can remove it from me. And three, I'm going to make a decision to turn my will and my life and this overwhelming anxiety over to him today. And um, every time it starts to creep back in, in this activity that I'm going to do, I'm going to remember that um, I made a decision to turn it over to God and I'm just going to see where it, where it takes me because um, I want to live my life 
And I don't want anxiety to keep me small, the bleakness of it. I don't want it to steal my um, life from me, which it can. It keeps me uh, from doing the things I want to do. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely going to take that to the steps today and just see where it leads. So that's what I wanted to say. Surrender. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Leah, I've put in a, uh, a vision for you requisition for hearing aids. Hi, Tracy. Good morning. Good, good morning. Um, my name is Tracy A. I'm a compulsive uh, overeater from Ottawa, Canada. Um, I haven't shared in a meeting in a very long time. Um, I wanted to share about with a certain satisfaction I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through the, the night and the next day. Um, r right now, uh, we've set up conditions in the house, so there's no red food, no yellow food. I just have green foods access and I can access. Um, anyways, I won't tell you. I just I don't have access to... Uh, these foods that give me a problem, but I'm still compulsively eating. <clears throat> um, Bill is talking about gin, and I have um, TV shows that give me comfort uh, that I watch over and over so I don't have to worry or get scared or anything like that. And so I sit there with my green light foods, and it's with a certain satisfaction right now that I have a show that I can watch and eat and get zoned out and it's got seven seasons and I'm only on season one and so there's a satisfaction that basically this TV show is hidden all around the house and I can get that comfort so even though I don't have access to my binge foods I'm doing a compulsive food behavior um, and so basically I'm a dry drunk, um, and I know that when these conditions uh, that I've asked for are lifted in a couple months, um, if I'm not working my program and with my higher power, uh, I'm just going to be exactly where I was. I'll just be a drunk who's actually drinking or an uh, overeater who's actually overeating. Um, I know Overeaters Anonymous can help me, and um, with my higher powers' help, um, I, I know I can get abstinent again. So thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Beautiful way to end the meeting here, just slightly early. Um, I just want to thank everyone who joined us this morning, uh, everyone who participated today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that's going to immediately follow the closing. Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting. That number is 19,041. That's 19041. And we're now going to close with the, uh, with the reading from the big book on page 164. We're going to follow that with the serenity prayer. So Elizabeth D., would you, um, would you handle that on 164? Yes. My name is Elizabeth D. Thank I'm you. a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come 
if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.